welcome to Read This, Read That. I am Jackie Reed. I'm Joanne Reed. Um, I, I am detecting a new wig. Yes, so I have two new uh, girls, Pamela and Renee, like Lisa, Angela, Pamela, Renee. I love you. You from around the way. So this is Pamela and Renee is upstairs. <laughs> love that. So that's Pamela. Renee is upstairs. What's yes. the difference between, like this one has a bit of a red tint to it. I noticed it this week. Yes. She got a different wig on. I switched. So I've done both of them this week. You may not have noticed. But, so this one is a little bit wider in here. So it's more of a bob effect. Yeah. And then uh, Renee is a little higher on top. And they both have a little bit of brownish red tint. They both have a similar tint. But that one is a little lighter. And this one's a little darker. I love it, girl. You love color. You love to play with color. I like just dark black, <laughs> dark brown. I don't like, I'm not a fan of color, but that, it, it it works. It looks beautiful. I love that. I love that red tint. I noticed it on TV. Yes. We try to make it, you know, we try to make it fashion. <laughs> it, is, it is working. It was fabulous all week long and fabulous right now. So how are you doing? What's going on? What's your wind down? So, well, the today, the fourth and fifth members of the Reed household got their first Fauci. So oh, we are nice. on our way to being a fully vaxxed family, um, plus uh, our youngest son's uh, little girl, pal, little gal pal got her vaxxed too, and she's in our bubble. So our whole bubble will soon be vaccinated. I'm so excited by the, basically by the 23rd of April, the whole Reed bubble will be vaxxed. Oh, I she love that. About it. I love that. I yes. love that. And because we're going to, the thing is, is that, you know, the, the vaccine thing. So, you know, some celebrities are like getting really dressed up to go for their second vaccine, like putting on ball gowns and making a big deal, but it is a big deal. Cause we're never going to get our lives back until we all get vaccinated. At least 80% of Americans get vaccinated. That's for herd immunity. So the more people get vaccinated, it actually is a celebratory thing. It's a sign that life is going to come back. Well, you know, to, we hope. I mean, there was some new, there was new information that came out what this week. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before that now when you get your second shot, right. Or if you, if you got the Johnson and Johnson, once you get it and you wait, whatever time period based on the vaccination that you got, that you have to wait for it to fully take effect. Yeah. Now they're saying, not only can you gather with other people that have been vaccinated in small groups. Now they're saying you can travel, you can do so much more and that you are less likely to contract the virus now. Yeah. New studies are saying based on actual people, you know, actual people that have been vaccinated and out there living their lives, which is encouraging because my biggest fear initially was, you know, well, once I said I'm gonna get vaccinated was, okay, right. but now what? You can still get it, you can still spread it, if you get it, what does that mean? You know, you maybe you won't end up being hospitalized, but you know, there were people who were asymptomatic who were de de dealing with symptoms like, you know, uh, um, you know, swollen hearts and, and things yeah. like that. So it's like, what could happen if you do get it? But now they're saying, and this is really encouraging that you are even less likely to get it or to spread it if you've been vaccinated. Yes. I think that is really good news. That was like the most encouraging thing of the week for me. Yeah, even with the variant. So they're saying even with the variant. Right, even with the Johnson, variant. Johnson, right? The janky one. Everybody's saying Dan Johnson, Johnson, the janky one. Don't call even it Jank Johnson. <laughs> no, but even Johnson and Johnson, don't down it because it is a 100% 
keeps yes. you out of the hospital, you won't die from it. So, you know, the, the worst case scenario is the J and J, which I believe should be the young person's vaccine. I'm sorry. I believe they should go to the club. They should stand outside the club and stand outside every strip club and every little nightclub with a little needles and just everybody that comes out. Stick them all. Stick why every you, why you want to act like only young kids go to strip clubs. You don't be old men up in there. Don't be old men in there. But I think everybody, the people who are taking the most risks are people between 18 and 30. That's who's on the beaches of Florida. That's who's in the clubs in Atlanta. Young people, and they're not going to come back. You can't count on them to come back for the second vaccine. To me, get all them young people with the J&J because A, they don't get as sick. So if it's it's slightly less certain, it's it's okay because they're younger. So I think they should just take all the Johnson & Johnson, stand outside the club, every place they gather on the beach, walk up and down and stick them all. (laughs) Well, see, the problem is that a lot of them feel so invincible with all of this because early on, you know, this time last year, we were hearing that young people, you know, could not succumb to this in the same way that older people could, right? That if they did get sick, you know, they would survive it. And then that was old people or people with pre older people, I should say seniors or people with pre-existing conditions that could get very sick, end up hospitalized and possibly die from this. And so young people throughout this entire thing have have felt pretty invincible, you know, and they've been partying, you know, really much as they have been allowed to, as things have opened up, like in Florida, it's been like a nonstop party, right? Atlanta too. Yeah. And well, Atlanta Atlanta did have some restrictions, but once they started easing those restrictions, that's when people really started heading out and you just would see clubs full of black people, houses, barbecue, you know, just all kinds of things crowded with black people. Airbnb actually had to basically put a prohibition on renting Airbnbs for parties because so many people were renting out Airbnbs to throw parties during the height of the pandemic. And look, the reality is, you know, Dr. Vin Gupta, who's one of our favorite doctors we have on the readout, has been tweeting of tweet storms about how the patients he is seeing are getting younger and younger and younger. And he is treating critical care patients all over the country. Right now, he is in a southwestern state. We don't want to say where he is because, you know, for safety reasons. But he said he is treating young people, 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 30-year-olds. That's who he's seeing now. It's not old people. It's young people. And if they're not getting sick, they're going home and getting their parents and their grandparents sick. So they're also seeing a lot more asymptomatic young people basically killing their parents and their grandparents. Well, that was was part of the misinformation that we got early on or the unknown, right? I don't want to just attribute it to just misinformation, but early on, that's what we were hearing. So a lot of young people, you know, were like, oh, well, it's not going to affect me. This is something that's going to affect people that were older, but not long after, you know, maybe by spring last year, or at least by summer, we were hearing, it's probably sooner than summer, that young people, as you said, even if they were asymptomatic, um, they could pass it on to someone else, but they could also deal with other symptoms. I interviewed a doctor, and this was, I guess it was during the summer, girl, time just, it it just gets away from me now in these COVID times. (laughs) But, um, you know, I interviewed this doctor and he was saying, even if you're asymptomatic and this, he was seeing this particularly in young people that what was happening is that their hearts were becoming enlarged. So you may be somebody who's asymptomatic or you may be somebody who dealt with mild symptoms, even young people 
yeah. um, would, you know, contract the virus and then have issues with their with their hearts. And there were all kinds of people who not only had those kinds of issues, but maybe would not get COVID severe, or even if they did, we're, we're dealing with and continue to deal with long-term effects. I mean, we know the Broadway yeah. actor who ended up dying from COVID after dealing with it for so long. You remember he had mm -hmm. his leg amputated um, and then he ended up dying and he was probably in his thirties, maybe forties, yeah. relatively young, but even people younger than that, twenties, um, and younger than that, who contracted the virus, yeah. doctors were seeing them deal with serious complications. But the problem is, you know, is convincing them because they feel invincible to go and take this seriously, to go and get vaccinated, right? Because it's not required. Yeah. You know, That's even where we're in Dirty Rock, you know, once we go back into the building for those who are not already back in the, in the building, and I know a lot of businesses, probably for legal reasons, are not going to require, are not going to require employees to be vaccinated. But a lot so are. Well, this this actually brings us to a very important point that I wanted to bring up with you, Miss Jackie Reed, because a lot of them are. And there is a thing now that New York is developing called a COVID uh, vaccination passport, which will allow you to prove that you've been vaccinated. And when I tell you it is going to be required if you want to stay in a hotel in New York, yeah. it is going to be required if you want to get on an airplane, if you want to get on Amtrak, you play games all you want about not wanting to get vaccinated, but it is coming that you're going to have to prove it. And even if not in this country, you will not be able to land and get off of a plane in Europe, any yeah. country in Europe, Australia, overseas, they are going to require it. So if you think you want to travel around and be a little anti-vaxxer and say you don't want to get vaccinated, good luck leaving your house because you're going to have vaccination passports required. They, you've already heard it that, you know, getting into, getting into sports venues is going to require that you show you've been vaccinated. But not all. So you want to next game. I, not all, but and, a lot of them I, will. I listen, will. We just did a story today because, you know, NBC uh, will be carrying the Olympics as always. And, um, the Olympics, you know, will be in Tokyo this summer. They were postponed last year because of everything going on with the virus. But while Tokyo is saying that they have strict safety re restrictions, they and they are not allowing anyone, any spectators from outside of the country to fly into the country for the event. Mm -hmm. But of course, at, of course, athletes from around the world are, of course, allowed to come in. They are not required to participate, to be vaccinated, to participate in the Olympics. What they are going to do is they're going to take their temperatures around the clock. When they land, they have to, their temperature has to be taken when they first land, but they do not have to quarantine mm -hmm. at all once they come from outside of the country. And you know as well as I do, even though you may not have a fever, that does not mean that you are not, you're not, uh, you know, that you don't have, you have not contracted the virus. Right. Um, they will be, their temperatures will be taken when they, every time they enter, enter a venue, right? And right before they leave the country, I don't know why their temperature has to be taken. I don't know if that's for airline purposes right. or whatever, but none, not one Olympic athlete at this point, and we're still day, you know, months away from the Olympics right. at this point for the Olympics are not required to be vaccinated. That's crazy. I hope changes, not just with the Olympics, but I, you, you know, I want people to be vaccinated because I want to be able to move freely. Right. And I still think that it's uncertain, even if you are vaccinated, despite the new information, I think we're still just learning so much as this goes. I just, I don't want any parts of this virus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though I'll be, you know, I'll get my second shot soon and I will be masked up and social distancing and all of that stuff, no matter where I go. But 
I, you know what I mean? I still think that, I think it should, it's hard to say because I was talking to a friend who has a friend who has MS and she, the person with MS is concerned because she feels that no one is giving her adequate enough information, not to say that it doesn't exist out there as to how the virus is going to impact her body. You know, I stopped short of saying they should require everyone. I mean, I'm sure that there are particular circumstances where because of allergies or whatnot, people cannot take this virus at the vaccine vaccine right at this point yeah but you know i i don't know i don't i'm i'm stopping short of saying everybody should do it because of those reasons but i would feel safer if everyone could take it safely and not have any kind of reaction i know i would feel safer moving about without having the thought of going back to 30 rock around people who are not vaccinated vaccinated terrifies Same. me Right now, that's what it is. And that's a big building. It's a big company. And also you have shoppers walking through there. It's basically a shopping mall at tourists. I mean, the reality is I still, even once I'm vaccinated, will not feel safe in a crowd. I definitely don't want to be in an indoor movie theater. I will not eat indoors. I'm not doing any of that for for a good while. I, I can't see myself for maybe a year really thinking about even getting on a plane. It's all of it's too scary for me. But the re, you, on the other side of that, the extreme of that is that you have people now on the right, the Marjorie Q. Greens and others who are <laughs> here. Oh, Jack, you're going to love this. They have decided, that's what we call her, Margie Q. Yeah. Margie <laughs> Q and her little friends have decided that not only are they not going to get vaccinated, because their polls now showing that four in 10 Republicans are refusing to be vaccinated. So they are now, it's not Black people who are having vaccine resistance. It is now Republicans. Yeah. And so now yeah. that means that you are more likely if you meet a Republican for them to be unvaccinated and also to be anti-maskers. So they are now the most likely to infect you with COVID because they are unmasked, refusing to be masked, and they don't want to be vaccinated. Okay. Now their next trick is to claim that the vaccination is the mark of the beast. That is what Margie Q. Green said in a little video, that the vaccination is the mark of the beast and that they won't be getting it because of that. So let's review. The people who do not want to be uh, kind to the immigrant and the sick and the elderly, who want to let old people die and let immigrants die at the border, because that's in the Bible that you're supposed to, um, you know, be generous toward the immigrant, the sick and the elderly. They don't believe in that. But they've decided that their unbiblical asses know what the mark of the beast is. That if we want to find out something that has been a mystery for a thousand years, we don't have to ask our pastor. We don't have to ask our spiritual advisors or religious scholars. We need to ask the lady who believes in QAnon, which just to remind you, is a belief that Democrats cook and eat children for dinner. Yes. That those people are going to tell us what the market of beast is? Really? Yeah. And they believe okay. that Michael Jackson is still alive, that John, John F. Kennedy, Kennedy Jr. is still, still alive. alive. Mm-hmm. That's um, the and that they're going to you know, come back and just save us all. And well, and they still believe. And Trump is the God was the savior, right? Yeah, Trump them. is their savior. That's who going. That going. is your religious, forget religious scholars. You don't need them anymore. All of these divinity schools just close up. Margie Q. Green, whose apparent sort of skill is that she used to own a gym. So she basically knows about fitness, I guess, because she don't look super fit to me. I mean, we know somebody who used to own a gym and she fit yeah. and she's quite, she's older than Margie Q. Green and I'm sure she could take Margie Q. Green down, our friend Jazz. <laughs> so Margie, so Miss Miss Fitness don't even, I think she had a what P90X. She had like a P90X business. 
That's who's going to tell you what's the market to be. Something like that. Ooh, I love like a, a lot of them are fitness people. Interesting. You know, Madison Cawthorn, the one who be creepy in his car with people, the one who's somewhat disabled and like be, apparently was snatching women into his car yeah. during college. That creepy dude who went to Hitler's Hitler's bunker or something. And that was his little dream vacation. That one, the fitness guru, he was punching a tree the other day, punching, punch, 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 punching a tree, thinking he'd look cool. He's a fitness guy. Paul Ryan used to be a fitness P90X guy. They have like a fitness thing they're into, some of them. They should have, they should have uh, recruited Trump to work out at least a few times. Run his ass around the block or something. Uh -uh. But you know what? It's interesting. Um, Dave Chappelle is planning a concert. Mm. I want to say, I, I want to say it's in New York, but I'm not certain, um, but it may not be. But anyway, he, he has a concert upcoming and what they are requiring is that people um, have their temperatures taken um, in order to enter. But again, uh, and if you have a fever, you will be turned away and your money will be refunded. But that don't mean um, nothing. You, you don't necessarily have a fever. You can I still have COVID. I, I agree. Yeah, and, don't then, do nothing. And, and the Tribeca Film Festival, uh, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary, is going to be the first major film festival to go forward and have their event this spring. And they are on they're 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 gonna do all the movies outside, which is interesting. And they are going to set people in like pods of four. Now, when they say pods, I don't know if it's enclosed. Right. I don't know if it's just groups of, of tables or whatever they're saying, describing it as pods. But again, not requiring vaccinations, um, you know, for the people that will be attending. Whether or not they'll be taking temperatures, I don't know. But, you know, to me, the Olympics, again, with all of this is the biggest concern because you have it, somebody, I think the New York Times or somebody described it as a potential super spreader. Um, super, and then people are going to leave and go back home. And, and go back around the world. Around the world and spread COVID. And we have another round of global COVID. Look, people who just yeah. want to play games with COVID are fools because this thing could go around and around and around and it mutates. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the alien in the movie alien one minute. It's <laughs> this kind of alien. And then it gets in your body spouts out of your chest. And then it's a different kind of alien. Right. And then that alien is running around the ship. And then you think you're safe and you go into hypersleep and you wake up and another one pops out of your damn chest. And it's a different kind of alien. That is what COVID is. And if y'all keep playing games with this virus, it's going to keep popping into different mutations. There's now at least four variants. There's a New York one. There's a South Africa one. There's a, a London or some British one. And then there, I think there's a, a Brazil one. There's like a bunch of them. They keep changing. It's morphing. It's already mutating. Keep playing games with COVID. COVID does not play games with you. It'll just kill yeah, you. Yeah, it definitely. And I'm not trying to die. I, I just don't, I don't really have any interest. I'm with you. Like every time I walk into 30 Rock, they take our temperature and you have to get a little wristband that shows your temperature was taken. To me, that does not indicate to me that that, that, that I do not have COVID. That just is that my I'm, I don't have a fever. Yeah. That doesn't say anything. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you know, once we're all back in the office and you've got people, you know, this business that we're in, uh, this type of, you know, television media, it's a very intimate building, right? We're all in each other's spaces, whether you're in a cubicle, even if you have an office like you do, there are people always in and out of your office. You're in meetings all the time in each other's faces. Then you're in the studio, you're sharing microphones. People are, you know, putting microphones on you. People are doing your hair and makeup. It's a very intimate uh, as far as interaction with people kind of business that we're in. And that's scary to me that, and, and I bet you for legal reasons, people who don't want to get vaccinated have the right 
to say, you know what I mean? To not to, to, to not say whether or not they have been vaccinated. But then they should also sign a waiver. I think if you don't want to get vaccinated, yeah. you should sign a waiver that essentially in, allows it to be disclosed to the people around you that you're not vaccinated. The right. people around you should have a right to know that. And you should have to waive certain things. You should not be able to claim the same sort of liabilities. If you are not, if you refuse to get vaccinated, it means you're not, you're not willing to protect anyone else. So yeah. why I mean, should you get the full protections that, that we all get? I mean, I, I mean, somebody should be able to sue you if you give them COVID. Yeah, they should be segregated. They should have their own. I can't believe I'm saying this. They should have their segregation own. Segregation now. <laughs> segregation forever. Is that what you're segregation. Saying? They should have their own bathrooms, their own cafeteria, their own tables in the cafeteria. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I know, I mean, here's, and here's what's so crazy. We're getting to the point where it is more likely you can now indicate whether somebody is vaccinated or not in part by their political affiliation, which is insane in a vaccine. It's crazy, right? And it shouldn't matter what your political affiliation is. But now if four in 10 Republicans are refusing to get vaccinated and they are politically opposed to masks, you can almost tell just based on how somebody voted, whether or not they are an increasing physical threat to your life. Right just based on their ideology. And with, that is crazy. That's where we, that's where Trump put us with this uh, pandemic. Yeah. It's a political pandemic. It's a crazy situation. And I know we um, don't have a lot of time before we have to get to Chris, but I just wanted to ask you, oh, and he may be here. Um, I don't know if we have to, well, real quick, real quick, quick, quick. Cause I know you've been covering this. Um, the Derek Chauvin trial. I feel Ooh. like, I feel like, you know, we go through this time and time again, where there's just, just incredible evidence against these police officers. Um, and yet they still are found not guilty, you know, whether or not he'll be found not, gu not guilty of murder, but maybe of second degree manslaughter, he'll be yeah. found guilty of, which to me is not enough. Um, it definitely should be murder, but I mean, do you, how do you feel in your, in your gut after the first week of this trial, do you feel like there is still a chance that, uh, that he could get off when it comes to the charge of murder? So I generally don't believe that police officers ever almost get found guilty of murder. I think it's yeah. so unlikely most of the time. So I went into this trial with that attitude that I'm not going to get my hopes up thinking that it's possible um, that he will be found guilty. And I, and I feel like it's kind of my responsibility just in terms of my show to prepare the audience for that, right? And to just have people be realistic when they look at this, because we, we've, we've been through this before where you, you get all set up thinking that there's going to be um, justice. Yeah. And then it doesn't happen. Um, and then you start thinking, okay, well, there, you know, there is no, you, you, it's, it's, it's so deeply disappointing. I just don't want people to be um, disappointed. But I have to say, this is one of the few times in my entire life, and I've been covering um, Black Lives Matter type cases since 2007. Um, I first met Ben Crump in 2007, covering a case where a 14 year old boy was beaten to death in Florida in a boot camp. And the four police officers and the nurse who beat, who basically beat him to death and the nurse let him die were all acquitted. They're always acquitted, right? 
you know, we remember 1992, um, you know, can we all just get along Rodney King beaten on camera? And they're like, how did, how can they be acquitted? They were right. That's how it goes. Yeah. This is the first time I actually think this officer is actually in very deep danger of getting convicted of murder. Yeah. Uh, well, he's charged with murder two and murder three. So he's charged with second degree and third degree homicide. He was not charged with first degree intentional murder. That's very important to know. That's very hard to prove, especially when it's a police officer. It's almost impossible. But what about so manslaughter? Was he and manslaughter? Right. Because so what the prosecution did, if you've ever sat in a grand jury, you know, the prosecution's best way of going about prosecution is they charge you with a whole lot of shit hoping they can at least get you on one thing. So they got manslaughter in there. They got third degree and second degree. And they almost didn't get third degree, which is actually unintentional homicide by way of negligence, which carries a 10-year sentence. That one, I think, is is the most likely outcome. Right. Right. And they got it in because in this state, it's a rarity, there is a Minnesota case in which a Minneapolis police officer named Muhammad Noor was actually convicted of third degree murder for shooting a black cop, of course, for shooting a white Australian tourist who he pulled over. I remember that story. That is the same state of Minnesota. So that means this state has had a record of, of having convicted a police officer very recently. And that case wound up going to an appeals court because he appealed his conviction saying he shouldn't have been eligible for third degree murder. He lost that appeal. And then that same district court case was used as a precedent for this case. That's how Chauvin got charged with third degree murder because they had actually taken third degree off the off. Yeah. They you can't charge him with that, but now they can. So now that they have third degree and manslaughter on there with murder too, that triples the chances that he gets convicted. That's the first important thing. That doesn't usually happen to cops. Mm. The second most important thing is that this prosecutor who apparently is coming in off the bench, honey, and doing it for free is one of the best prosecutors I have seen. This team of prosecutors, the black guys, the lead. A great and team. Yeah. They are phenomenal. It's the flip side of the OJ prosecutors. They are, they are as good as the OJ prosecutors suck. They are excellent. And the defense lawyer who apparently specializes in defending cops, he's throwing everything out there. You know, he, trying to, George Floyd was going to get up off the ground, out, raise back up from the dead and attack the officers. He had to stay on. He's trying everything and it's not working. The witness, the witnesses who've been called have been perfect. They've given emotion. They've given outrage. They have stood up to the defense lawyer. The police that testified today were like, nope, that is not in the procedure to sit on somebody for nine minutes. You could kill him. He should have known that. Excellent. So I actually think for the first time, probably in my entire life, this cop is more likely to be convicted than any cop I've ever seen. I, I mean, I tell you, I just won't let myself even go there because I just, it, it scares me to think about not just how I'm going to feel if he's not found guilty. Oh, all hell will break loose, honey. If he, I'm, I'm he's fearful fast. of what will happen. It's Ooh. going to just be crazy, but it's been hard. It's been triggering to watch. I mean, I tried to watch that first day and when um, the prosecution showed the video, it was the first time that I had seen it in, you know, a long time. And it was just, I, you know, it was very- Oh God, the 17 year old girl, the nine year old. Oh my God. The it's Mr. McMillan, the old man who just broke down, Mr. Oh, McMillan, who was God. like, just stay down, just stay down. Oh, I mean, the, the brother who was the, the MMA. Who, who oh. was like, just take it out of my check, which is crazy anyway. Crazy. But- Wait, just the, I mean, I hope that 
the, you know, the girl that took the video yeah. um, and like all of these witnesses that they've had, you know, it's just the trauma that they've experienced, probably the PTSD. If you, you can will, tell they have gone, like, I hope that there is some kind of therapy for these people, particularly the young ones, but for all of them, actually, if they do, well, hey, do they have insurance? Yeah. Right. Do they well, have I mean, insurance? Yeah. It's crazy. Maybe. It's how horrific um, to have been connected to this, this death in this way. Yeah. Right? And everything that, I mean, you are just like, that's, that's hard to move on from. It's hard. And, and you can tell they haven't like, moved the on. That, the girl that recorded the video saying that, I mean, it broke my heart. I just, I, the guilt she felt like she could have done more. I right. mean, there's nothing she could have done. By the way, there's nothing she could have done. If nothing. they had, if they had stepped toward those officers, they would have been shot. So right. start with the fact that they would have been shot by those but cops. She doesn't, she's on. not even, she's not even, she just, the guilt that she feels. Right. right? Oh no, that all of them. The 19 year old who said, if I just had just taken the, the bill. Yes. And I, it's like, dude, you are not, you were an 18 year old boy. You were a child. There's no reason why you should feel guilty, but they all are like the nine year old, all of them. They all feel like they could have somehow kept this man alive. The two, um, the, um, the, the, the paramedics who were like, we were just trying to give him a second chance at life. And they were very blank and they were, but what they were saying was so evocative. And then the cop today, who was the very senior cop. And he said, there's yeah. no reason to have done that. And he had written a letter saying that Chauvin was a disgrace to the profession. It's going to be interesting to see if they bring in the fact that Chauvin was fired. I, w I don't know if they're going to be able to present that. I'm sure that the defense will object. But if he did the right thing, why was he fired? There's a whole lot there that is very clear that he did not. And if this whole argument that, you know, the crowd was a threat. If the crowd was what? a threat, then why didn't you call backup? I mean, they didn't call back. They At no time did they call for backup. If the crowd was a threat, why did they let one of the four officers get in the in the um, in the um, ambulance and leave? And you've got Where? and you've got all of these officers who were armed. Right. How is against this crowd 12 people who included a nine year old? How you tell me they're not, there's a nine year old child. And if the crowd was so threatening, why didn't Chauvin then get up off of George Floyd's neck and deal with the crowd. And deal with that. Exactly. Deal with a, a, a crowd that was so aggressive that they mm -hmm. felt threatened. Why did he have to continue to kneel on a handcuffed man? Who was also dead. Who, by yeah. the way, six minutes into that nine minutes and 20 seconds, it's pretty clear that he was dead. And yeah. people were saying, he's dead. He's not responding. He was non-responsive. And when those two EMT, not the, the EMT, First of all, there was an expert in the crowd, the white lady who can come to the barbecue, by the way. Right. The EMT who was invited to the barbecue. Right, who tried to help him and they wouldn't let her. They wouldn't let her. And, well, because she didn't have ID on her. And it's like, she clearly knew what she was talking about. There's so, there is, and also the witnesses are multiracial. They're multi-age. There is no way, if you've watched any of this trial, and this is the problem, because people are watching it like the OJ trial and people are home because of COVID, people are absorbing this. If that man is not convicted, all hell is going to break loose in America. And those jurors, I feel so sorry for them because the pressure on those jurors, one of them had to take a day off from being traumatized, the jurors are traumatized. Well, from watching, from watching traumatized. that and hearing that testimony day after day, I would think is is just traumatizing. And yep. then have the pressure to make this decision. Um, you know what I mean? I, I think he's going to get convicted. I think that the, the 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 accumulation of the moral sort of crisis that his what he did created. By the way, the only person who doesn't seem to be phased by what's happening is Derek Chauvin, 
who looks oh, yeah. quite calm and cool and relaxed. Like, like, like he, he does like, he, he does not. The same way the, he did when he yeah. killed George Floyd. I mean, remember the Blank. look on his face? Nothing. He gives you nothing. nothing. I've never seen anything like this. People can be crying, weeping. He gives you nothing. And I don't know if he's been told to be like that, but to me, the, the creepiest thing about the killing of George Floyd is not even just hearing poor George Floyd begging for his life. It's Derek Chauvin's face. It's his non. And then afterwards, the audio they play, which we've never heard before, of him justifying himself when somebody confronts him and says, I can't believe you did that. And he's like, eh, you know, his attitude is very flippant. It's like, I killed a cat one time driving to work and I cried the whole, I was crying at work. I couldn't collect myself for an entire day. It was a cat. These people are acting like, I don't, it, it, it was like he killed a deer on a hunt. It's and like not he even that. no emotion. Not even that. Not even, I don't even think he- I mean, I killed a cat much. driving over because it ran in the road, by the way. Let's not make it look like I went out and strangled a cat. <laughs> I ran over it. it. Literally, the cat was like a suicidal cat. I'm driving Girl, to work. I'm talking about that cat. <laughs> I'm like, literally, I was driving to work and the cat was running across the highway. First of all, what's a cat doing on the highway? I see the little blurb out. And then the man turned back, ran on- and it literally ran out of the car. I literally heard bum, bum, bum. And then I literally was like, holy shit, I'm a murderer. I get to work at WSVN Channel 7 in the Plex. And everybody's like, what's wrong with you? And I was all shaking. I was like, a cat, a cat. It's, it, and literally, this man killed a man, spent nine minutes choking him to death. And he's like, eh, yeah. And felt nothing and still feels nothing to Love Pop viewers. Every Friday when I have date night and I don't know what to watch, either on, I don't know if it comes out on Thursday or Friday, but I go there and I looked and we always choose something from pop viewers. It is such so a helpful. great tool for so many reasons, Chris. We love it so much. So thank you for creating that. And we wish you so much success with thank that. You. Okay. We like to call it the, the app that solves the answer to the question. What the hell am I supposed to watch on all these damn uh, channels and apps? Night. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. good, so good. Okay, so we got a lot to talk about before Joy yeah. Ann has to run because there's so much yeah. going on in the news. So let's start with Little Nas X. Oh my goodness, this Montero video. Tell me is, what you want. Tell me what you need. So oh, people are, people are like so upset. They figured. This yeah. is the end of the world. End of time. Um, but watch to you know those views. I mean, this video already has 80 million views in oh, a matter yeah. of just a few days. Wow. So people around the world are watching. And I, I have to give props to him, you know, as a black gay man to see this young boy. He's only 21 years Isn't old. Crazy. Standing, no, it's crazy. Standing in his truth at the risk of alienating the black community and a lot of people that, you know, probably help to make him famous yeah. might not get the direction that he's going in right now but at the end of the day it is working those youtube streams matter okay, so, the streams are happening on spotify etc matter yeah. i, I gotta back up with you just for a second though Let, let's back yeah. up for just a second let's before we get there, because yeah. let's let's back up so lil nas x uh, I, i'm surprised he's 23 i mean he's younger than her who is the youngest person on earth that i that is so talented i'm surprised he's even younger than she is <laughs> yeah. but um so Lil Nas X broke out as a rap phenom. And I, and I want to say, at least according to my children, broke out right. before it was clear that he was gay, right? Yes. So yes, you're absolutely right. The children are right. So Lil Nas X, he was kind of doing like a little bit of YouTube stuff, but then he put that song Old Town Road out in 2015. Yes. And that just like, it became a huge, it was like one of the 
first TikTok phenomenon. It's like they've taken a little bite of that song. Again, yeah. Black folks on TikTok, making TikTok famous, making TikTok huge. That little sound bite from Old Town Road became huge. He became huge. He became the most Grammy-nominated male artist in 2020 for the Grammys. He sat down with Gail King for CBS because the Grammys are on CBS. All the artists sit down with Gail King, the big artist. Gail King sitting down with him, minor, minor her business, you know, about to interview about this thing. And he comes out to her in 2020, right before the Grammys, and comes out and says, essentially, that he's been gay, that, you know, growing up, that he, sorry, that's, that's my, that's my phone. It's okay. That growing up, growing up, he, you know, being in the black church in Atlanta, he's from Atlanta, uh, would literally pray, go, go to church and pray that God would, you know, help remove this from him. That it was just a phase. And I think so many black gay men, black gay women, um, non-conforming, binary, uh, uh, yeah, gender non-conforming, non-binary, bisexual, yeah, we all go through this where we go to the black church and we come there for healing. And instead we're told that this very sacred part of who we are, the loving part of who we are, who we love, is kind of associated with hell and the no, not kind of wait wait no hold on now, now you got an old sunday school teacher on here not okay, kind of associated what? with hell bobby julo that yeah. black that people being gay you are going to hell right so Ooh. that is something that is in the church now it isn't specifically in the bible but it is it is sent through it is taught as a meme it is taught, it is taught as if it's in the bible yes. listen but, it is it is taught in the black church to be an abomination and in a white christian church Yes, that goes beyond the pastor having an affair with the different women in church right. or the deacon sleeping with this one and that one yeah. or the woman who was prostituting that might be coming to church. Being gay is like the ultimate abomination. Right. So I think that with Lil Nas X, this video and the, the imagery of the devil, the imagery of the Garden of Eden, it is him. And like that opening line, I, I wrote it down. In life, we hide the parts of ourselves that we don't want the world to see. We lock them away. We tell them no. We banish them. Um, but here we don't. Yeah. So that, that this world that he created, and by the way, his name is Montero. His name is Montero Lamar Hill. Oh, I, okay, so this, yeah, I missed that bit. Okay, got it. Yes, this video is Lil Nas X telling the world who he absolutely okay. is. Okay, so now one more pin, it. one more pin. Now, Jackie, we got to talk a little bit about hip hop because, you know, of all of the black, um, you know, sort of genre in terms of art, Hip hop is the one that is infused with the most macho, right? Mm -hmm. it, it is all about, you know, butt naked hoes by the pool. It's all about, I don't love them hoes. And it goes all the way back to being very, very, very macho. But you and I both know that one of the things that made Wendy Williams blow up was when she was <laughs> allegedly outing, quote unquote, the gay rapper, as if there's only one and there's more than one. But oh, the idea was that okay. nobody in hip hop is gay. That is a thing. That is a, there is a thing about hip hop that is so super macho that even the women who were sort of big in hip hop when I was coming up in the eighties, even the women were like Saw and Peppa and others who had like a really hard edge. You, you couldn't yeah. be soft like Eve, you know, um, all of these girls were like Latifah. Well, like it, wasn't it, didn't, didn't she specific, wasn't she specific with who she said was gay? She, so when did you mean? Yes. Wendy. Wendy. yes. So let me tell you guys, this is interesting. If you watch or listen to Wendy's radio show 20 years ago, when Wendy would say, you know, uh, Diddy had his white party this weekend in the Hamptons. Yeah. How you doing, Diddy? How she you was, doing? How you doing was the way, when Wendy said, you know, he's a little how you doing, ain't he? That was your way of saying someone's gay. Like how you doing was the was like the code phrase for, you know, someone's a little gay. 
and and she was doing that with hip hop artists. She was doing it with with Diddy, Busta. There were a bunch of them that when Wendy would say, "How you doing, Busta?" And there were rumors with 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 Diddy specifically. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. She got fired for for that, right? So I'm not sure if it was if 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 the firing the fire relation came directly from Diddy, but I know it was part of it because that played out in her Lifetime movie. But Joy, to your point, you're right. There have been so many discussions around the men and women in hip hop that might be on the down low. For a long time. Gay. But and is Little they Nas exist. X, is, not- Little, is Little Nas X considered a hip hop artist? Because yeah. he, entered, he entered music, right? on the. I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, because there was a big country Western backlash, right? Because Old Town Road initially was considered a country Western song, remember? And he got a big rejection from yeah. the country community and that's why um Miley Cyrus's dad Billy Ray Cyrus recording it and being on that song to give it like his endorsement so yes. that he would to say listen you all are not going to shun him and so that's but what he's a you know just artist though he was a hip hop no, 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 yeah. I know that but his that that hit initially yeah. Chris you correct me if I'm wrong was con- mm-hmm. like was there was something with the country like music crossover. industry yeah, yeah, it was a crossover. Yeah. I mean, it was it was one of those moments where, like the CMAs, I believe, the Country Music Awards, they had him come out and perform yeah. because Billy Ray Cyrus, Cyrus, like the godfather of country music, um, it was, was like on Walt the track. Way but, was like a but, crossover rock song, right? Yeah, yes, yes, right. yes, yes. But to me, but to me, Little Nas X is he is hip hop. He's rapping. It is, listen to his album. Like my son is the biggest Little Nas X fan, not because he's gay, but because his music is great. His fashion is forward looking. His videos are dope. Now he didn't see Montero yet, but he does love Little Nas X and all that he stands for. And I think that at the end of the day, what he's doing, it ain't for it ain't for my mama. It ain't for my daddy. It's not for that generation. It's not even for me. It is really for the young people that made him famous. What? The teenagers that are on TikTok. And this video is for them well, to know it's okay to be different. See, and let me ask you, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Joanne. No, I was doing really quick because he, one of the things that he did when he broke out, this is how Jackie, I would say he is a hip hop artist, yeah. is that he had an association early with Nas. So there's a there's a Nas in hip hop that obviously everybody knows not, all I need is one mic, yeah. that Nas. Did a video yeah. with Lil Nas X when he first blew up and was like, it's Big Nas and Lil Nas. So he's like associated because he's called Lil Nas X yeah. with a major hip hop artist, Nas. And so what happened, I what I saw last week was the amount of reaction videos. And by the way, these people who are doing these reaction videos are also getting huge hits on these reaction videos where you go through and you look at their previous videos. They have maybe a thousand. They're getting like a hundred thousand just reacting to this. So you had a bunch of people who were debating back and forth whether or not Montero, this song is hip hop and whether or not it's legitimately hip hop because it's openly a, a really statement, an open statement about him being gay. And so you had all these hip hop, like, I don't even know who some of them are, but when I tell you there must've been a hundred different reaction videos on YouTube of people freaking out and getting really angry and getting real religious with it against yeah. him. So, so what has been the backlash in terms of hip hop to him? Yeah. You know what I love? I love when artists like Lil Nas X come along and I don't want to compare him to a Prince, but I look at like what Prince was able to do and other artists like him, they did things that were so out of the box and so creative that it was hard to put them in a genre. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like Lil Nas X, he might be considered hip hop. 
you know, and that might be the box that we can put him in. But when you watch a video like what he did and the messaging behind it, the art in it, you're like, that. you're just an artist. Yeah. You're an artist. Yeah. And we shouldn't be trying to put you in a box. Okay, I get all the hip hop vibes from it. But at the end of the day, what you did is bigger. It's bigger than what these hip hop artists are doing. Yeah. Because that's why folks are watching it. You created this statement that was art and a hybrid of a lot of different things and a message that was so powerful and a rebuke of the black church. And I mean, of, of, like, I mean he, he had a whole big viral moment when he went after, what's his name, 6 9 who was DMing him. And he was like trying to, he called, he tried to call him out. And then he went on Twitter and was like, this you? Because you was DMing me. <laughs> I love it. I love Here, here's what I love about um, Lil Nas X. I mean, I agree with you, Chris. I do believe, you know, and that was why I was like, is he hip hop? Because it just seems like he is, he is just so much more than that, that it's hard to put him in a box um, yeah. because of what he has created. I mean, I think that, that video Let me, can I, can I yeah, jump yeah, in with the Yeah, yeah. Let me just say, white folks are going to put him in a hip-hop box. Right. At the but end of the day, remember this. When it remember comes this, award season this, time, yeah. especially. Remember that the yeah. MTV Awards yeah. are a bunch of white folks that vote for those primarily. Yeah. The Grammys, a bunch of yeah. white folks vote for that. Uh, you know, always remember that the powers that be, the labels, the, 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 the award circuits, they are primarily ran by all white men and, and all white women. And they look at that as hip-hop. And by They're the not way, which is granularity of it reminds me of, I just watched the Tina documentary and the same thing happened to her because she wanted to be a rock artist, but mm -hmm. the, the industry would not allow her into rock. They wanted her to be R&B. And as a matter of fact, one of, to me, her best songs that do I love you, my, oh my. She recorded mm -hmm. that song with Phil Spector, which was truly a rock song and radio wouldn't play it because they were like, this is not rock, but it's also not R&B. So you're right. The industry is very segregationist yeah. musically. And she yeah. didn't, she didn't, she considered herself a, a rock, rock artist. artist. She she but what I wanted she to say did. about Little Nas X is, you know, you've got, people out there complaining about him, you know, putting this content out there that is satanic, satanic yeah, say and basically, and, and, and basically corrupting young kids minds out there. And that that was his audience. They tried his critics have been saying now that his audience were these young people, these young kids that leaned into uh, old town road. Remember how many, how kids, yeah, yes. like, here's a, but he yeah. even said in response to that, he was like, Hey, I didn't say that this song was for kids. I'm talking about lean. I'm talking yes. about adultery and cheating and all these. Yes. He's 21 now. Right. He's like, so I don't think that you, that the world should put the responsibility on him to all raise the kids. Disney artist, yes. to be a Disney artist and that he has to be in this box of now being like you, you know, somebody who's safe for kids to watch. Yes. No, he never, he never proclaimed to be that. And he never wanted to be that. But when I was listening to an interview he did about, this song, you know, Montero, Call Me By Your Name. He said yeah. he was inspired by that movie, Chris. You know, yes. before the movie I love, Super. yes, he yes. Said he had just watched that movie. What movie? So he, he loved the movie. Call, Call Me By Your Name. Oh, Call Me By Your Name, the movie. Call Me By Your Name, Yeah, the movie. So, so he was inspired, yeah, loving that movie. He Harvey loved Hammer. the messaging of it and what was the, the romance of it. And then he said he had this relationship with this guy. I don't even know if relationship is the right word to call it, but they hooked up. You know, mm -hmm. it was during COVID and he was feeling kind of isolated. So he hooked up with someone who's in the music or someone who's in the industry. I don't want to say he was in the okay. music industry. And he found, and this guy 
he's Eric's in the song. He said he wrote it like the night after they hooked up. And I'm not saying, you know, after they got together. Yeah. And he's saying that because that guy who he connected with wanted to be with him, wanted to be with Lil Nas X, Lil Nas X and felt they felt a connection for each other. But that guy wanted to remain in the closet. Mm -hmm. He wasn't mm -hmm. willing to admit to the world. Right that he was gay. So he was break, I was listening to him break down all the lyrics of the song. And that is what the song is about. But he said that it was also about, you know, why we see, you know, him interacting in the video with the devil and things like that. He said, because getting involved with this person, he was like, you know, ah, whatever, I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna lean into, you know, doing what I know I shouldn't do. And I'm just gonna have some fun in the midst of COVID with somebody who, you know, maybe emotionally is not ready to give me what I want at this moment. I'm attracted, we're attracted to each other. And so it's not like he set out to make this video that is anti-Christianity. Yeah, and anti yeah. he's just created, like, like you said, Chris, he is just expressing himself as an artist. I don't right. see any difference between this and some horror flick that's out there. Something that, like, I don't see why people, like I was talking to a girlfriend about this earlier this week and we were just talking about the video and she was like, child, uh-uh. That is the devil. That is what the, the world is. You know, it is what is wrong with this world. They are leading children, she said, uh, you know, away from the Bible. It's just, it's this, she was like, you can't see it, but it's this whole culture where they're trying to corrupt, you know, children. And I said, well, you think that he's trying to do, oh, it may not be him, but the music industry, if there are people in the music industry that I was just like, Can oh I just say God. though real quick that there was a time when people said the same thing about Kirk Franklin. They said Kirk Franklin doing popular music and mixing it in with gospel was of the devil and he was of the devil. Well, it's like talking the way yeah. he did his son. That was little Ooh, he wow. told him that was a 34 year old man who should wow. not have been disrespecting his daddy. And if you, go 30, if you come to your daddy like that, it's a black Daddy, that's what's going to happen to you. He went off. But you know, I want to jump in really yeah. fast and say a couple of things. One, we hold our Black artists oftentimes to a standard that we don't hold white artists to. Mm. For example, Madonna can look all sexy in the 80s and dance in front of burning crosses and bring Jesus to life in uh, her like video. A prayer. Like a prayer. Yes, like like a, a prayer. Which was a bop. But, but it was very controversial. She's dancing with her little brazier and like black Jesus. Jesus and having a, and a black gospel Gossip. choir, by the way, black gospel choir. Yes. And a black in a, by the way, in a church, in a church singing secular music, dancing and talking about sort of having this affair with this Jesus figure that comes to life. And then Lady Gaga can put out Judas, this video that she did a few years ago where she's dancing with a Jesus figure and Judas and it's, and it's like wearing a cross on her head. I think that we have to stop holding our black artists to such a high standard. And I think at the end of the day, what Lil Nas X is doing, especially I think for young black people that are in the black church is showing them it's okay to be who you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that at the end of the day, my friend Clay Kane, he was talking yesterday and he was saying that the black church, there is spiritual and theological violence that happens in the black mm. church. You know, it's not all roses and kumbaya and all the great things that your friend who was talking to you about the black church or about the church in general, uh, there's a there's a reckoning that needs that needs to happen, yeah. especially when it comes to how the black church teaches or and, 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 and sorry and treats the queer community, the LGBTQ plus members that are oftentimes the choir directors, right. they're the piano players. Uh -oh. I watched the Aretha documentary. 
Oh God! Okay, first of all, the whole, that okay, whole choir was full of LGBTQ people. Yeah, yeah, and the T and the T is the Reverend James Cleveland him, his, his himself was also yeah. um, on yeah. the down low. Um, I don't want to go there too much, but that also is the T. But at the end of the day, we all know the Black Church is chock full of homosexuals who are in the choir on the usher board. But you can't get married at the church, right? You know, and at the end of the day, you also are are being spoken to by the pastor and the elders as if you literally are the devil if you lean into your homosexuality. See, see what ends up happening is you're forced to go in the dark and do things in the dark. Hence, we have higher rates of HIV in the Black community. I blame, in a lot of ways, the fact that these young people are in the closet having to do their sex in the dark at 2, 3 in the morning out of fear of what mommy and auntie and and uncle might say about you. And also, suicide rates are higher in the Black gay community than the white gay community because we have this stigma from the Black church. So I say, bravo, Lil Nas X. The young kids that are watching this are actually going to say, oh my God, I'm not alone. Someone else likes to wear high heels and wear makeup. And, and dance, on a, pole. And dance on a pole. And by the way, I think it's important too, um, Chris, to the point that you're making, that because we have had hip hop alongside the Black church, even though they are very different things, hip hop culturally is so powerful. And the anti-gay message that comes from hip hop, which again, has all of these gay stylists who are making all of these guys look good, who have gay people who are rappers, who are in the business. They're just not open. And the fact that nobody- Boy, they're creative directors. Or they're they're creative directors. directors. They're choreographers. They're all gay. And and I've heard this for years is that the the LGBT community has kept hip hop going. Mm -hmm. You think about how fabulous the Missy Elliott looks and all the beautiful clothes she has. These are you. So you're, you're allowing people to be gay around the industry, but in the industry as artists, it's shunned where people who we, we hear through rumor wise might be gay would never come out because it would ruin their career. Somebody like the brat so long to come out. Right. Um, and I mean, there, there are so many did, black, and thank God she did. I mean, she's so much happier to live her truth. There are so many black celebrities that I, you know, I could make a list right now that, that I know by friends who've been with them or just, just because I know, like I've, I've been around them and like, you know, I, we can clock each other <laughs> that are, are A-list, that are A-list celebrities who are living in the closet because their agents, their managers, their families might walk away from them if yeah. they come out. It might lose the, the entire bag. You and know, the money that yeah. they have. And, and we're not and talking about people with generational wealth. And so if you think about for, for our community, if you make it, if you become a Whitney Houston, you know, oh the, the risk of losing all of that means you're not just losing, you know, what you have that you're able to take care of your mama and take care of your aunties. You know, for these rappers and these people in the industry, they're only one generation of wealth, their own. They yes. themselves are the only wealthy person in their family. And so the risk is just too. So I think what I love about Lil Nas X is for him to bust out at 21 years old industry. And I want him to be, I want him to be classified as hip hop for my own reasons, because I think hip hop needs to start having people who are openly gay in it. Cause they already there, as you said, Chris. So yeah. if you can have somebody break that barrier, then the next Lil Nas X won't feel like they can't be hip hop. Well, so I want out. him to be he's classified already, as He's already come out recently because, you know, in addition to releasing this video, he released this shoe with this company, Satan shoes. part of this, the Satan yeah. shoes that supposedly yeah. is supposed to have a small percentage of a drop of blood, blood in it. Some kind of yeah. way. And Nike 
because Nike is all up in arms and got an injunction to stop them from, I think they won that today, to stop them from shipping the 666 shoes. But here's the thing. That is called the right getting played. They They got played. They got an injunction to stop them from shipping the shoe out. And this company that partnered with Lil Nas X it's interesting that they decided to, you know, to see what the case will be with this. Yeah. Nike is really upset about this because they say that people are boycotting their brand and they're upset with them for being associated with this um, with this shoe. But the same company, because they bought these shoes, they went yeah. out and purchased these Nike shoes. And a year ago, maybe two years ago, they did the same thing with the shoe and created, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a Christian shoe. Yeah. White yeah. shoe with a Bible verse on it. And mm-hmm. Nike said, nada. Yeah. yeah. But here's, and they said, here's those the shoes. But now that you've got this, you know, black gay man associating yeah. it, with, you know, associating it with this new video yeah. that he has, yeah. that they're yeah. all up in arms because people are protesting. And so far, the judge is siding with them, but it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. But Lil Nas X, to my point, was saying that he was joking with people on social media who were coming at him about the the Satan shoe. But he said, mentally, it's taking a toll on him. Um, Everything- You know what, I kind of get what he was doing also. I kind of get what he was doing also, because to me, it's also a big, like it's the middle finger to these corporate companies. These corporate companies like Nike, who for the past 30 years have made billions of dollars off the black community, off on the backs of black celebrities. But tell me how many black celebrities who have sold hundreds of millions of dollars of shoes and apparel based on their endorsements have equity in the company. But that's okay. Thank you. How many today? And it's also, this this is called getting played. If you are going to play the game of all y'all going to hell, and then yeah. somebody puts out a Satan shoe and you fall for it and you fall for the banana in the tailpipe, don't blame the Satan shoes. Blame exactly. yourself because he played you. He done, he done sold all 666 of them in seven in, in like an hour. Well, he sold, he an sold hour. all but one and they're going to give away the last pair. But right. it's interesting because their argument, this company that's working with Lil Nas X with this, they're saying, listen, it's not to be It's a born. joke. It's for yeah. sneakers no, and it's to be joke. put on, you know, like on Nobody a shelf. Like, wear you know, that. Like, and also, by the way, it's a marketing. It's called marketing. You do outrageous shit to market. I mean, but then and, Miley you know, Ray Cyrus, of course, bought a, has a pair and is wearing them. Yeah. <laughs> you wear them. You ruin the value, Miley. <laughs> I think it's a joke and I think it's irony in a big way because when you are black and gay and you're in the church, you know what your mom tells you? You got the devil in you. You got the devil in you. Satan Satan is ruling you. That's literally what my parents have told me after coming out to them that I'm going to pray that God takes Satan out of you. That is what you're told when you're black and you're gay. So to me, it's like he's being ironic. There's some humor in there. It's like there is no devil leading Lil Nas X. And let, let's just say on, my on this podcast, I'm just going to say on this podcast, for those who need to hear it, Satan can't get you through your shoes. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't, I don't know what you know about the devil, but I'm just going to say, listen, I used to teach Sunday school. I promise you, yeah. I read the Bible. Satan ain't in your shoes. And the devil or, or can come and get you through a video. But what's heartbreaking is that he as such a, you know, you talk about Chris, how young he is and yeah. he's just out there trying to create art, right? Yeah. And express himself and live him, his life. And he is dealing with so much turmoil um, but because of it. 
You know what I mean? And it's just so unnecessary. He thought he talked recently about, you know, when he did come out and he was happy to do so because of I think you mentioned this, Chris, you know, he he used to pray um, because he was worried about um, coming out and worried about, you know, and worried about being well, gay. Jackie, he would pray that there was just a phase. Yes, he would pray that it was a phase because he I did. realized I that what, com- what coming out would, yeah. would mean for his life. And he sure. said, I love this, that he said that now that he's come out, he says it's easy for him to come out now, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's famous. And so in a sense, he's protected. But he said, what about... Um, and this was in the Gail King video. He was like, uh, or interview. He said, what about the little boy six blocks from here? Right. Living the same life. And they don't have this protection of being able to live out loud. Um, and they could be shunned by their family. They can or get friends. killed. They can yeah. get killed for yeah. being like, yeah. Yeah. Put out. beat down on the block just for walking outside with a little bit on your face. Yeah. You know, it needs like, to be rude. protected and embraced. Yeah. And, and and supported you you know maybe his music is not you know maybe it's yeah. not something that you would download maybe it's not your thing yeah. but i still think that he needs to re- be respected and protected for you know his what, artistry there was like a little tidbit that i heard from it was like a viola davis or regina king recently i think it was viola that was talking about shattering shattering glass ceilings how you know they'll say oh someone just won this award they shattered a a, a glass ceiling in Hollywood but what we don't recognize is when you shatter glass ceiling as Montero Lil Nas X his real name as he did with this video you get you get glass you get cut cut. you know you it is not always beautiful there are there's collateral damage when you are the first to do something and like Kamala Harris says she might be the first but she won't be the last Mm -hmm. and I pray that people like little Nas X get to thrive in hip-hop and be their true selves I do too well said well before we lose time let's move on and talk a little bit about uh, this Tina Turner documentary Yes. That was a spiritual experience for me. Oh my god! <laughs> it was a great doc. Okay, so what what was your what were your thoughts? Just, the thing that the thing that stayed with me more than anything was the moment where she said, and I I have to admit I have not watched it in its entirety. I've gotten bits and pieces um, just from research, but the thing that I read about was when she said that she really, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, had lived a life, you know, she had, she had lived a life of abuse and that the good basically did not outweigh the bad, that her life was not a good life. That broke my heart because, you know, with what's love got to do with it, we, there's that moment right in the movie (laughs) where, you know, because of Buddhism, she's able to break away from Ike and it ends with her, you know, on stage. And we all know that she went on to have a fabulous music career. Um, even though that was challenged, we learned in the documentary that was, those were challenging times, but we feel like she left Ike and just thrived those memories and that experience because she was with him for 14 years really haunted her. I mean, it just broke my heart to hear that. I think for me, that was a huge takeaway for me. Also seeing that 44 years old, she had her breakthrough and it didn't come easy. I think that that part, when you watch the movie with Angela Bassett, there's that little moment when they're in that little disco at the Vegas showroom and and, uh, um, Roger Davies comes up to her. But the way that it plays out in the documentary, you realize this woman has performed at the Grammys. You know, she got rolling on the river, but she can't get a record deal. And we know how ageism is in this industry. You know, and when you're a black woman, when you are a black woman who picked cotton in the cotton field and you were trying to get a label and you're also trying to break into a genre where you are the first black woman to be a rock and roll A-list artist, I that blew my mind. 
And like that part about Roger Davies, because again, we all know as black folks in this media industry, oftentimes you need that white ally. You yeah. need that white executive. You need that white EP, that white president who says, I'm going to give you a chance. Yeah. And in and, and, and that moment where she was 44, you know, she had risked it all to bet on this dream of being able to sell an arena as a rock star. Yeah. And Roger Davies fought along with the other record label executive fought after they tried to drop her to let her do that one album. And she went to London and in 10 days did that album, and, Private Day. But wait, you, met, you, skipped, you skipped the part where they made a phone call and he said, you are not going to sign that old nigga. Yes. Oh, yes. Joy, come on. Okay, receipts. Okay, receipts, and he, Joy. And, he said, okay, and he, receipts. Said, he said, right now I'm on my knees and I'm going to beg you. Yes, you. a white man. White but it, man. Again, it speaks to the fact that oftentimes as black people in this industry, we still have to have that white person who is an executive, uh, a record label person advocating on our behalf and being in that room, hearing them talk shit about us and say the things that they won't say to our faces. Right. You understand? You know, and, and, and the agent, the manager has to jump in. But I got to say, Roger Davies, he is an angel. He yes. is a saint. And I love, I love that. I also was found it remarkable to really unpack her relationship with Urban Bach, who she was, he was 30 years old. She was 46 yes. years old and a black woman. And she said she had never had love in her entire like life, including her life. parents. That's so sad. She never me, had anyone love her ever. He gave her no, a kidney. No. <laughs> oh, he gave her the kidney? Yes. Wow. And you that. guys, I also learned in my research, and they don't talk about it in the documentary, but she had a stroke, cancer, and she had that kidney transplant, that kidney transplant in 2017 prior to the documentary. Wow. But in Switzerland, because she gave her US residency. Yes. In Switzerland, she was in so much pain that she signed up for an assisted suicide program. What? As yeah, voluntary euthanasia is legal in Switzerland. Wow. So before that kidney transplant, she was in so much pain. She was like, I'm done. I'm done. Wow. Yeah. And some of the interviews with the documentary filmmakers are really great. These two white guys, because they talk about how Tina's really done. Tina does not want to be Tina Turner anymore. Like she's, yeah. she, when you can she see came she's to the let state, her weight, you know, go to normal person. Uh, yes, ma'am. Yeah, she's she looks like state, a normal older relax. woman now. And she talked yeah. about, to your point about, you know, the music industry here and the record executives, you know, that's a big part of the reason why she left the United States. She said she is a, a bigger star and better received abroad. You know what I mean? And and she just never got the love here, even with all the success, right? Tina Turner, like who would want- Everybody was like, where's Ike? I mean, like yeah. that was- yeah. Well, that was the other thing. Yeah. She said that that's why she wrote the book. You yeah. know, about what to make them stop asking about Ike every minute. Where's Ike? And but you know what, you guys interview without them asking her uh, about Ike. Ike, that relationship yeah. with Ike. And even to this day, when people talk about her, when they tell her story, it is still part of her narrative. And she's so much you could like if you watch interviews with yeah. her, yeah. like from like even just you know, maybe a few years ago. It always comes up and you can just, to me, you can just see something in her spirit. Like, here we go again. Yeah. Like, why must that, that man be attacked? Like, and she says she's forgiven him. Right. And she mm. gets that he was key uh, to her success, but she has forgiven him because she realized after his death that he was a troubled, broken soul. Yeah. But, but yeah. still she, she wants to be, you know, who she is without always being tethered you know, to this man who abused her for so long. It's so heartbreaking that she just have to, she said she would wake up 
often. Yeah. I don't know if to this day with nightmares um, about what she went through. And she said that with what's love got to do with it, the movie, mm-hmm. she felt like the, the only criticism that I ever heard from her about this, you know, was that they didn't show enough of what she went through, that the abuse that she endured, they only just, I mean, you you know, because we all saw it, it was yeah. horrific what we saw that she had to go through. And she said that just scratched the surface. Oh my God. That photo of her black eye yes. that they showed on the documentary, remember she was yes. like, oh, you can see my, my eyes black in that picture yeah. because I got my... I got beat the night before. But you know, I I kind of disagree a little bit with some of the discussions. I was having a call with a friend, my friend Nakazi, who's mm-hmm. a fan of the uh, of the podcast. Yeah. And I was we were talking about the documentary and I was saying, you know, I feel like that pivotal moment in the documentary, it was uh, right around 1981. And she says that she was talking to her good, good girlfriends about whether or not she should come out about the abuse because she felt that coming out about it might get the reporters to stop asking her about it. Right. So she did that iconic uh, magazine interview with People Magazine in 81. And I think, I really believe that is what skyrocketed her. Like, do you remember that part? There was a record executive who said, I read the magazine interview about the abuse. Everyone was talking about it in 81. And he was like, I wanted to bet on her. Like, I was like, I I like signing folks that folks don't believe in. But I think when you show your humanity, for example, Oprah's ratings skyrocketed when she began talking about not the story she was covering, but the story of Oprah, the molestation, the uh, the, um, overeating, the closet eating, all of the stuff that she was going through. So I think Tina standing in her truth, doing the, the interview, putting the book out in 86, talking about the abuse again, doing the movie that changed my young life. You know, I was 10 years old with Angela Bassett. I think that those are the reasons why Tina Turner is an icon. It's the music, but it's the story behind the music. It's what happened in between the notes, in between the lines that make us stand for her. So I'm like, Tina, I get it. I get that it sucks that people want to ask you about it. And I think that there's not a whole lot you can ask at this point about the abuse, right. but it made you the icon that you are. Yes, you know, yeah. but still, but still, you know, even even though there's truth in that, your heart has to break that she oh lived that and talked yeah. through it again and again and again. And I do think that yeah. we have to kind of respect that it's her journey. And even though it catapulted her to a different, you know, stratosphere in the music industry, you know, um, that, that movie, you know what I mean? And, and us learning that part of her journey, it was before that, right? It was before we knew all those details that she had that moment with those record industry folks who had heard about it and, you know what I mean? And, and said, let's take a chance on her and let's write this music for her and let's take her in a different. Well, that was on the heels of the 81 interview though. That was on the yeah, that's why they people paid attention to her, and I think people she spoke her truth. Her, right? Yeah, but, but I say more about she, her background. Like that's she why. had to do it. She felt like if yeah. I do this, people will stop. She didn't yeah. want to do it, but she no. felt like people were talking about it. So it was so much a part of her story, and she wanted to separate herself from it. But she said it didn't work. No, it did the opposite. Wrong. It made people want to know more, and I think, I think you're right. More. I think yeah, that more. that's heartbreaking to me. Yeah. But that people, was what had to push her into right. But I think people that. want that from celebrity. I mean, unfortunately, like, you know, it used to be that you had sort of the 1940s kind of celebrities who seemed sort of perfect. People yeah. love imperfection in celebrities. They oh want to know 
what is your pain and your suffering? And it's like people demand that. Well, that's from why TMZ is kind of popular, sad. right? That's why TMZ is popular. They, po they follow people around, you know, and that's. And by the way, Tina, guys, that they right? want to see people hounding her. It's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. It's unfortunate that our culture, you know, that's that what it is. People want, and I don't. But I don't feel bad for Tina. Pay, I think for celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Tina also, what's brilliant about her is that she's always controlled the narrative. You know, the people piece, she decided when to tell that story. The book, you know, she was in control of the, all yep. the pages of the, the book. The movie, she was the producer on. She helped cast Angela. And even this documentary, no one told her right. she had to discuss the, uh, the abuse. Right. We could have watched her drink tea in Switzerland. Right. I would have been fine. Her walking around the garden, picking up flowers, yeah, drinking house. tea. But the literally an hour of the documentary was about Ike, yeah. and that was her doing. Tina decided to tell that story for a fourth right. time. Right, well, it's the documentary of her story, right? I could in. see in that moment, I could see in a documentary, her talking about, she's talking about the totality of her life. I mean, she talks about her mother, her mother not being there, abandoning her. And she talks about from start to finish her life. Now, I could see it there, but if she were to sit down in- And a Broadway today, musical. And a Broadway it. musical. Right, and a Broadway, about but if she were to about sit it. down today for an interview and was gonna do a series of interviews, for them to bring up that again and again and again, to me, it's just- I disagree, I disagree. I'm sorry. What do you disagree with you her, do, not her? You think she wants to talk about this stuff? At this point, what she knows all I'm it, saying it is, I, all I'm I disagree, saying is, I disagree. She's, I mean, she, she in, in two interviews, that if you watch them and I'll send them to you, she said out of her own mouth, and I don't know if you're saying that she's just saying that to like- No, no, I, I'm saying that saying I think- She's saying she did not enjoy talking about this time yeah. and time again. That's what I'm saying. And I think- No, I agree with that. that. She feels forced to have to talk about it. I mean, I don't know what, what I'm saying that you're disagreeing with. No, I agree that she, that she might not enjoy talking about it, but I think I disagree that as a journalist, if there's a moment where you want to bring it up, that it's inappropriate. Oh, I see. You know, I, think, I think that when you do a when you do a, a magazine interview, a book, a movie, a musical, and it's a huge part of the show, it's a yeah. huge part of 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 the documentary. A literally an hour was dedicated to the abuse from Ike and the toxicity of that relationship. Yeah. It's like you can't, as a journalist, not bring it up. I know it might be a wound that's that's kind of, you know, not all the way healed, but if you keep putting it out there for us to consume and for us to, it's a very empowering story for women. It is. So it's and like, I don't know how you can't Can I just say very quickly, oh, yeah, yeah. I think um, we also have to revise our history of Ike. Uh, the reason I'm glad that she told the story is because otherwise he's just in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and he deserves to be there for a lot of reasons because he's a musical genius, but his story is also about what he did to her. And so yeah. I'm glad she told the story because I don't think that he should have an unimpeachable you know, trot into history without people understanding what a monster he was. Yeah. And I think that yeah. other than her opening her mouth about that and coming forward with that story, people would have just believed in his genius and maybe even believe, look what happened to Britney Spears. That if, if you yeah. don't tell your story, people will believe the worst about you. And he was trying to make it look like it was her fault that they broke up. It was something broken about her when he yeah, did his I, interview. I agree with that. So agree I'm glad she told that. But what I'm story. saying is I think that you know, I, I get it. And even when there was an interview with Larry King where he said, you know, you are really the face right now. And it was it was a while back of women's liberation. People look to uh -huh. you and they're inspired by you. And he was like, do you understand that? And she was like, well, 
I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to it. It's something like it wasn't her intent. And I, what I'm saying is, and I get what you're saying, uh, Chris, about a journalist's responsibility to, to ask the tough questions, but I think it's unfortunate, right? Yeah. That, that we I, have to I, do I, it at the risk of traumatizing her every time she sits down for an interview or every time, you know, I don't blame her for leaving the business. You know, every, because she is forever tethered to this man. And, and I, get, I get what you're saying, but I think it's unfortunate that at the risk of her mental health and sanity, that we feel that it's our responsibility to She's ask her. It up. No, I agree. Yeah, she should be able to escape it at some point. She should be able to just, you know. I think she should be able to sit down and point. interview yeah. and not, and if she brings it up, yes. But I don't think that it should be a required question at, at this moment in time. I don't think I don't think it should be a required question. I think though, but there there's a way to, I think, pull on pieces of the story to tell a story of resilience. Because if you watched her musical, it's really about resilience. And the resilience piece comes into play because of what she endured. If you watch the movie, you know, it's about the it's, it's about running across the highway in that beautiful white, you know, suit, you know, after what she went through, but then opening, you know, and, and being able to be, I mean, she, she in, in Rio de Janeiro in 88, she still has the largest concert ever from a female artist, 180,000 people. You know, but but I think it's the visual of this woman in her 50s. She was in her 50s, you know, and 60s, yeah. selling out arena tours. But it's that other piece of the resilience of what she went through. So I think I think it's a delicate balance. Yeah. And I, as a as a viewer and as someone who loves Tina, I'd love to see her retell that story. Yeah, I think but she doesn't love telling it, and that's the point. No, like, I, get she didn't I get it. I get it. To be this this hero for women, she just wanted to make music. Um, yeah, you know that. I would love a Tina TV series, like too. a TV, a scripted TV series. I think Kiki Palmer should play young Tina, and Angela Bassett come back as grown Tina. <laughs> love that. Well, so. listen, Joanne has got to go, so we have to end it here, you guys. But Christopher, we always love you. Um, Thank you, cousin Christopher. Talking with you about so many things, and we love you. Mwah. Mwah. Love you guys. Quickly, Joanne, what are you going to do for you this weekend? So we, Jason and I got our bikes fixed. So I'm looking forward to doing a little biking. I'm going to bike around the neighborhood. Hopefully the cars will be gentle. I won't go too much into traffic. But I'm going to get my little bike on, sister girl. Because And the other thing is Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. Lent is over. And I cannot wait to have a cocktail. I have been waiting for 40 long days. We did it, girl. We did it. I'm not, I didn't enjoy it, but we did it. So I'm looking forward to a cocktail and a bike ride. What are you going to yes, do? Yes, same. You? I am just going to have, you know, my church has a virtual service. So I'm just going to try to celebrate uh, Easter to the best of my ability from home, you know, with no family, uh, to, you know, make, make a nice vegan Easter spread, uh, attend church service virtually. And yes, have a drink or oh. two because Lent is Ooh. over. At what point can we drink? Like at what time Sunday what school time? teacher does Lent end? Lent, I mean, really, so if you believe that, you know, they sunrise service. Well, so Easter, we tend, we generally do a sunrise service because the belief, right, from the, the Bible story, even though it didn't really happen in the spring, but we'll just go with it. But let's just pretend that this is real time. Uh, it's supposed to be in the morning is when the um, the uh, the disciples went to to see the stone rolled away. So usually that's how we do a sunrise service. So technically, by the time.
time the sun comes up on Easter, Hallelujah. you can drink cocktails, and then you can say like my, you can say like my favorite new, uh, new, new, new meme on TikTok. You can say, I got a fire in my bones. I, <laughs> I, I, right. I am upset. All right, upset. Go. Something about the name. Let's go. Follow us on social media. You can find out where you can see us elsewhere next week. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Go.